How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me for this episode is somebody who has been a longtime friend of mine, a fellow Sense fan, and of course, my co-host for the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my co-host from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, Tim Jensey. Tim, how are you, sir? Oh, it's great to be on, and uh, I'll have you know that Calgary is quite balmy and 55 degrees right now, so uh, please no bully. That's it? 55? Yeah. Now, are we talking Fahrenheit or Celsius? Fahrenheit. Two days ago, it was a snowstorm, so I guess I'm blessing my lucky stars for that. I saw the photos about that. What's going on with that, man? Eh, it's the first day of October. It means a snowstorm in Calgary. That's it? Yeah. Oh, well, the winds were wicked, though. Like, uh, we're talking about 60-mile-an-hour uh, winds. Oh, Jesus. So it's yeah. not as bad as what's going on in Florida, though. No, no, no. Okay. Like, those are just gusts. Oh, okay, cool. And those are perfectly natural on the prairies. Well, Tim, I've never been on the prairies, so I will take your word for it, bud. Mm-hmm. However, it is with a heavy heart that we do have to dedicate the inaugural episode of the Third Unplugged Sensecast to the 50 people who lost their lives in the Las Vegas shooting earlier this week. And... It's even with a heavier heart that four Canadians were killed in that, one of which was a young man whose name I don't have here at the moment, so I do apologize to the family on that. He was actually an apprentice for my uncle. Yeah, that's, it's always worse when this thing hits, these sorts of things hit close to home. It does. I spoke to my aunt this morning to see how my uncle was doing, and she's telling me that he is really upset, but he is holding up. So I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's affected by that. I mean, that's, you know, and we're only, what, six months removed from what happened in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert. It's a different situation, right? It was a bombing, <clears throat> not a shooting, but it's still pretty sad. Well, the weird thing was there was an incident in the in Paris the same weekend, so it's, uh, it's getting dangerous out there. It is. We also have to dedicate this episode to... The Dallas Stars broadcaster, Dave Strider, I hope I am pronouncing that last name, uh, he lost his battle with cancer at the age of 62. Dave, I mean, the, the list of networks he's worked on from Fox, NBC, I mean, the list goes on with how many games he's called, and you might not recognize his name, but if you type in his name on YouTube and look up some of his clips, you're like, oh, that's, it's that guy. He will be missed. He will. Looks like uh, we're moving on to another cancer subject after this one. We are. But first, I do have to point something out, Tim. Yeah? Not only is this our very first Third Line Plug Sensecast episode, but this coming season will be the 25th official season of the Ottawa Senators. Is that hard to believe? Yeah. October 1992, man, they played the Montreal Canadiens and beat them. Wait, I'm older than the Senators? You and me both. Wow. <laughs> I know, that's insane. Well, I mean, it's not insane for most people. I think a lot of people who grew up watching the Sens right from the beginning are much older than we are. 
Mm -hmm. But none of them can say that we were born right before that. Yeah, no kidding. And if we go back to one of our short episodes from this summer, I think I did say that that inaugural team was one of my favorite Senators teams of all time. Yeah. Just for the pure futility of it. Yeah, and I... Did I chastise you for that? Uh, quite vocally, and yeah, I think that was about a good chunk of the episode. It was just you asking why, and my whole answer was, I like tanks. You're just like, why not, eh? <laughs> Pretty much. Tim, it is hard to believe, man. Like, we've been working on this podcast for the better most part of this year. All the prep time, all the effort we've put into working on this show to make it work and hopefully make it good for everybody listening. I really hope that it's worth it because we are going to debut this little segment that I like to call Top of the Hour. Now, if you're a new listener to the Third Line Plug Sinscast, and I would imagine you are, given this is the very first episode, <laughs> Top of the Hour is where Tim and myself look at the news stories in the NHL, whether it's a trade, a signing... Or just news stories that pique our attention. Mm-hmm. Much like, and I was talking about at the beginning with uh, Dave Strader, it is, of course, very sad to start talk of the hour with the announcement that New Jersey Devils centerman Brian Boyle has been diagnosed with leukemia. Now, of course, this is a, he has come out and said it's a treatable form of cancer and he is looking to play the season. That, it's awesome that he's looking to play and that leukemia, you can treat it if it's caught, and uh, that's all. It's a shame that he has to step away from hockey for a bit, but it's awesome that he gets to keep on trucking afterwards. Yeah, and I so, recall last season, sorry Tim, I recall last season with uh, Brian Bickle, he was diagnosed with MLS. Or ALS. Mm-hmm. And I just read today that he signed a one-day one deal with Chicago to retire a Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. Oh, good on you, Chicago. Yeah, and uh, Luke Gehrig's is a hard one to come back from. It is. I don't think anyone does. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but... Definitely a lot Mr. Gehrig. No, he didn't even make it. No. Yeah, and it looks like going down the list, we don't... Uh, the way you've teed it up, we don't have any more another happy topic coming up after that either. Nope. Now, I did say off the top that you do live in Calgary... Mm-hmm. Home of the Calgary Flames. And we have to go into this whole arena situation because talk about a shit show in Calgary right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know. So basically, Before you start talking, do you mind if I set it up here for you, Tim? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the Calgary arena situation, it all began back in 2014 with a proposed privately funded $890 million sports complex called Calgary Next. And it would have included a brand new arena for the Calgary Flames slash Calgary Hitmen and a new stadium for the Calgary Stampeders. Fuck the Stampeders. Eh. However, Calgary Mayor, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong on pronouncing his name, Nahid Neshi? Nahid Neshi, yeah. Okay. He openly stated his concern regarding the proposal, which meant the city would have to pay 440 to $690 million and would have had taxpayers pay two-thirds of the total cost. Mm-hmm. Now, Flames president of hockey operations, Brian Burke, stated that the Flames would move if the team couldn't get a new arena. Of course, he later backtracked on his statement, but earlier in September, he appeared on SC with Jan Dan discussing this, and he said, 
the Flames do need do, they do need a new arena, as it is currently the oldest arena in the league as of this season. And I completely forgot about this until he mentioned it. It's been under 12 feet of water due to the 2013 Calgary flood. <laughs> and I do have to mention that Flames president Ken King stated on September 12th that the Flames are no longer pursuing a new arena, stating that the city's proposal of a three-way split of the new $555 million arena would see the Flames paying 120% of the projected cost. Mm-hmm. So... Like, what's going on there, Tim? There's a, I mean, look, the notes, I, I haven't really kept up on it, Tim. This is... And with uh, Car- with Mr. King's statements, as well as Mr. Bettman's statements about uh, trying to shake... trying to push the city into... So, with respect to Mr. King and Mr. Bettman... Uh, the most, the worst being Mr. Bettman suggesting that the team could move if the arena deal wasn't, didn't happen. Uh, this has become an election issue in Calgary for the ongoing municipal election. Now, the first thing that has to be mentioned is that a claim that the Flames made that they would be paying 123% of the cost did come out when the Calgary Flames took out a series of full-page ads in the Calgary Herald. That figure for lack of a better word, is crap. So basically, and I'll see if you agree with my assessment at the end here, Tay, but what they suggested is that because they will own the arena and be paying property taxes, that they are therefore paying an extra amount of the cost, which is stupid. Property taxes are a use fee and not part of the cost of the arena itself. Everyone pays property tax. Like, the people who own my apartment pay property tax. Homeowners pay property taxes. Businesses pay property tax. And that's not part of the cost of the building. Like, do you think I could walk up to someone and say, hey, I want to build a house here, but I'm not going to pay anything right now because all of that cost will be eventually paid in property taxes. Oh, they'd laugh at you. Yeah. And that's what's completely laughable about the situation and those ads. The second thing is that no one is suggesting that Calgary does, the Flames don't need a new arena. The city is still at the table. The Flames walked away, not the city. Everyone recognizes that the Saddle Dome is old and it's not the best for concerts. Uh, the, city, the city has a proposal where it'll be split three ways. And that proposal is predicated on the position of the city's budget, where this, the city has been in a more free spending stance since the onset of the energy crisis. Okay. And... The thing, the other thing about Calgary is uh, the city is, it's still economically weak. You know all those big office buildings downtown? Yes. One third of them are in. There's really? a one third vacancy rate, which really affects the city's ability to collect revenue. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So how can the Flames come in with good conscience, knowing that the city is in this sort of economic times, and ask for that? I don't know. That's insane. I mean, mind you, they don't have an ownership like in Detroit where they're worth billions of dollars and they could just build their own arena. Mm-hmm. And the city was willing to loan them money and then have them pay it back through use fees and ticket taxes. Yeah, and, and let's not forget them that Calgary, if, if like within Edmonton, right, they could do what the Oilers did with the Edmonton, build a new arena, revitalize downtown... But what you're saying about the economy being so weak. Well, the other thing is, is the city's proposal does have that downtown revitalization element, but 
at some point, the Flames and like the previous ownership of the Flames, they were excellent at they're willing to pay for the land and put in to revitalize the city. This ownership group doesn't want to do that. Are they, and that's are they, in Cal- are they from Calgary? Calgary? Pardon? Are they from Calgary? I'm not sure. Okay. But it's, yeah, this group has been, uh, like, they're, at this point, they're trying to shake down the city and the province, and, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. And, honestly, bringing this back to uh, the Senators, I feel like uh, Menlik is local to Ottawa, so he was willing to put the money down and work with the the National the National Capital Commission in Ottawa, and there's going to be a revitalization of the downtown area, and... People in Ottawa don't know how lucky they are to have a process that's known and groups that are willing to work together. That is so huge. And kudos to Ottawa for that. Yeah, give them, give them kudos for that one, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm vo- I know how I'm voting tomorrow, so... Is the election... Or the, or the vote for the arena tomorrow? Uh, advanced polling for my area is tomorrow. Oh, Okay. And your predictions voting, on the, and, um, uh, you should be able to infer that from my little tirade. <laughs> okay, so what's your prediction uh, for the what the rating is going into the advanced polling? Uh, Marinette, I think Marinette has it in the bag. The other candidates don't even have platforms. Because I hear he's a very show. popular mayor in Calgary. He is. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people were surprised that uh, Calgary could elect and re-elect a mayor who wasn't white. And he's proved everyone wrong, and he's continued to be a very good mayor for Calgary. Yeah, well, you know what, Tim? People said that about Barack Obama in the U.S. They said, oh, they will never elect a black president, and they did it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta do it before the stick. You gotta break the stigma sometime. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on to more NHL bullshit... Now, before we go on, can I just uh, talk about this for a little bit? Now, you were talking about the city and the team. Were they fighting with the province? Uh, the province hasn't been engaged. Okay. Well, and you can kind of think, it. this is kind of like what happened in Seattle when it came with the Sonics, the basketball team, as they tried to get funding for a new stadium, and the state just wouldn't help them. Mm-hmm. Now, how, why, now, why I'm talking about Seattle is because... There was a proposal from a Los Angeles-based group called the Oakville Group announced on September 12th that they and the city of Seattle would upgrade Key Arena, which is the arena in Seattle, into a hockey and... No, they would upgrade Key Arena into hockey and basketball standards, which would be finished by 2020 with a $600 million renovation. Uh, Last time Key Arena was renovated was in 1994 to meet the NBA standards of the time. This, of course, and there was a group led by Chris Hansen, no, not How to Catch a Predator, Chris Hansen. Oh, I was going to ask you to come have a seat. Why don't you just have a seat right over here? <laughs> uh, they were proposing a new arena in Soto, which is southern downtown, if you're not familiar with Seattle, which is where the National Football League's Seattle Seahawks and Major League Baseball's Seattle Mariner stadiums are located, CenturyLink Field and Safeco Field. And it would be shut down as the proposal from Oak, Oakview Group goes forward. Now, mm-hmm. Key Arena is not suitable for hockey, and the Western Hockey League's Seattle Thunderbirds moved into a new arena in Kent in 2009. And did you see the article Bardown did regarding the arena? 
No, I okay. I don't need to be savage there, but I don't. I don't usually read bar down. Okay, so I had a look at it because getting some information for this topic. It's a really I don't know what to think of it because they have they would have two scoreboards, one hanging over each blue line. That's and weird. Key Arena when this when the Thunderbirds were there, it hung over I believe the offensive blue line. Weird. Yeah. It, it's weird. I mean, I don't know what to make of it. And a uh, funny fact, Key Arena was not in fact built as an arena. It was a built for the 1962 Seattle World's Fair for our convention center. Okay, and then they built a bigger and better convention center downtown. Yeah, and then they just put a roof on top of Key Arena. Mm-hmm. Now, my information on that might be wrong, so you can't quote me on that. Yeah, I think the big difference between the Calgary situation and the Sonics leaving is that uh, the city is willing to work with uh, the team. It's the team that threw the hissy fit and left the table and then took out a bunch of ads in the Calgary Herald. Okay. So, the city's still willing to talk. It's the team that's trying to go around it. All right. Uh, Before we go on to our next topic, um, now, of course, with the whole Calgary Arena situation, there were rumors that if the Flames couldn't get a new arena, they would relocate. And at the moment, the favorite is Seattle. Because... Seattle, if you put a team there, you don't have to change conferences. You don't have to realign the divisions. And it's close enough where you would uh, retain the rivalry with the Vancouver Canucks. Now, here's a little fun. Now, here's some fun I wanted to do with you, Tim. Now, bar down, they put some potential names for the new Seattle team in the article. And I just want to go through them with you and just get your thoughts, okay? Okay. All right, so the first one. This is, there is no way Seattle will ever do this. The first team name would be the Seattle Thunder. We were talking wow. about the Sonics. When they moved to Oklahoma City in 2008, what did the ownership group there call the team? Hmm, I wonder if it's what the team's called now. That's right, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, that's not going to be a PR nightmare for Seattle if they ever do that. Well, it also kind of misses the point. Like, they probably saw Thunderbirds like, oh, cool, Seattle-like name. Let's make it shorter. That, personally, I would like to see the Thunderbirds be the name, but, of course, the Western Hockey League won't. We're probably not allowed that. And at least the Sonics, it was a reference to Puget Sound. No, actually, it was a reference to the uh, Boeing Superjet called the Supersonic, which was never built. Okay. It'd be like naming a team the Avro Arrow. Yeah. Facts with Tay. Yay. All right, so the second name I want to go. Now, this one would only make sense if the team was owned by Paul Allen. Paul Allen, who is the majority owner of not only the NBA's Portland Trailblazers, but the NFL's Seattle Seahawks. And this team is, of course, would be named the Seattle Nighthawks. Wasn't that, like, wasn't that Seattle's old lacrosse? That was Portland's old lacrosse team. No, weren't they the the Winterhawks? It'd be cool, though. No, that's the WHL team. Right. But when I first heard Nighthawks, I'm thinking, really, you're going to name... It it sounds like an 80s cartoon. Well, I was thinking Knight Rider. It's like, tonight on Nighthawks. Like that. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it sounds like something you'd see out of, like, 
I don't know, G.I. Joe or something. And if you're going to do or, that, you might as well just call it the Seattle Cobra Commanders. Or the Seattle Golden Knights. Oh, that's just terrible. <laughs> now, the second... No, sorry, not the second name. The third name they have, the Seattle Neon Warriors. That sounds like it's from Tron. Yeah, that's just... No, that's just stupid. We're moving on. Yeah. The fourth name they have, and this is another potential name, the Seattle Skyscrapers. Why don't they call them the Space Needles? Well... Does, does Seattle even have that many skyscrapers? Um... That is a good question. They probably... Well, maybe they, not as much as bigger cities like New York or Chicago might, but I'm sure they got a few of them. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of names that I'm going to throw in here weren't involved in the article, but I just felt they're not- notable. Now, you might remember, Tim, or you might not know this, Seattle once had an NHL team. Mm-hmm. They had, and they were called the Seattle Metropolitans. Now, that's such an old-timey name. They're not going to name it that. And there was a Western Hockey League, not not the Junior Hockey League, but there was a pro league on Western... <laughs> in on the west side of Canada and United States, and it was the Seattle Totems. That could work. It could. And, of course, I am going to throw the Thunderbirds in there, but because of the Western Hockey League having that, I think that's the more logical, logical idea to go for a Seattle team, but they're probably not going to do it. But I, I think the long shot here is the Seattle Emeralds, because Seattle is referred to as the Emerald City. It's a name you don't hear a lot outside of sports, though. No. The only yeah. problem with a Seattle team is what would you... Like, what kind of colors would they wear? Because you well, can't wear the blue and green. Pikers? That'd be cool. Which name? The Pikers or something like that. Around yeah, like, Piker, um, That'd be sick. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, the Seattle Pikemen. There you go. And then you can have, like, a dude with a cool hockey stick spear. Yeah, your yeah, like your mascot could be a whaler. It would be awesome. BRB oh, trademark. I think Harford might have a little beef with that, but yeah, they're not getting a team back. Well, there goes the listen- <laughs> there goes all the listeners we had in Hartford. Connecticut. Well, now we're gonna move on to our next topic. Now, Tim, if you've been following the news as well, you might have noticed jo- Joffrey Lupel. Toronto Maple Leaf. He's been on long-time injury reserved for the better part of the season. Island. Yep. He's in the doghouse once again because he posted on Instagram a photo of him going down a mountain on a snowboard. And he's going... I, I can't remember what the caption was. Like, I'm ready or, you know, some generic thing. And somebody goes, oh, what? Because you, you failed your medical or physical. And Lupo responded. He responded with, ha, failed medical? Well, they cheat. Oh, and then it got weirder from there. Yeah, it came out today that he got an independent medical, and he failed that too. So he's not cleared to play for this season. Mm. But the what's really funny, Tim, is that nobody on the Toronto Maple Leafs stood up for him on that. They were just like, yeah, we've, we've got no comment. We can't back what he's saying. This is some, like, Phil Castle shit they're pulling on him, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, once once you're unhappy with hockey's big Italian family, like, once you've crossed the fam, the Maple Leaf family, 
you're you're pretty much excommunicated. Like having to Robodot, uh, Lupul's probably going to be cut instead of on LITR. Right. It's uh, Phil Kessel got shipped out of town without even so much as a song and dance. And uh, yeah, it's, I think I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Le- if Lupul had no fair chance in hell with the independent review. Oh, it was. You know what? I mean, when I saw that, I'm thinking, wow, like, I mean, this guy must be thick as two pieces of wood, man. If you're going down a snowboard and you're supposedly injured, like, seriously, that would be like, say if, like, you and I worked at a job, both of us got hurt on the job, and and I was off, and I, you know, in my career, and I can't work for the rest of my life because I'm hurt... And I look on your Instagram or Facebook, and I see you and Chelsea driving up to Banff for like I don't I don't know how far Banff away is from Calgary. Probably quite far. A few hours. A few hours. Yeah. Say like you guys went up there for the weekend, and I saw you on your snowboards. I'd be calling bullshit on you. Well, I think that's what Jeffrey Lupul wanted, all things considered. Like if he's healthy, he wants to play hockey. And being stuck on Robodot Island has to be the shittiest thing ever because you can't you don't get to go to waivers, so a team can't even claim you. You can't play in the minors because you're still costing Toronto the full value of your contract against the cap hit. Like, yeah, this is probably the only, one of the only ways he can even get back to playing hockey in the l- late part of his career. So this is an intentional move by Ro- by uh, Lupul to try and escape Robita Island. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if Joffrey Lupul was really that healthy, he wouldn't have done it. He would have gone as physical. He would have passed it. And they go, no, look. I'm healthy and I'm cleared to play. But here's the thing. If Joffrey Lupul's doing that, what's that to say about Mark Savard or David Clarkson or Nathan Horton, guys whose careers are finished? Like, they will never play again, Tim. Well, those are people who are legitimately never able to play again. The thing about Joffrey Lupul is it's the dirty little secret of the league that most people doubt Joffrey Lupul is long-term injured and that the Leafs are able to get away with it because they're the Leafs. Yeah, and I can't remember who it was, and somebody asked one of the guys in the Leafs, and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, teams do this all the time, which caused an investigation with the NHL. Mm-hmm. Although I guess at the flip side, like, I don't know how the NHL managers tend up on, always end up on the bad side of both issues, like beyond both bad sides of an issue. Well, you know what? I think it comes down to the media, right? And they're in a huge media market. Say if they were in... Arizona or if they were in Florida or one of these places where hockey is not the be-all end-all for that city Mm -hmm. do you think maybe it would have just gone under the radar or what do you think well I think those teams like the NHL has to maintain some semblance of them enforcing the rules right right so I think they would those teams would have been investigated okay because because that's a city where the hockey isn't the end-all, be-all, be end-all, the NHL won't get scrutiny, and the NHL product won't be overanalyzed if they slap a wrist down there. Honestly, I've got nothing more to say about it. I've said what i got to say. Uh, Loophole, you, you're a fucking idiot, bud. I don't know. I feel like he tried to do something. I think he bit off more than he could chew. I don't know. I... I just think he's being an idiot on this. <laughs> well, speaking of idiots, Tim, 
We got this next topic we got to talk about. Now, I just want to start by saying, and Tim, I believe that I speak for both of us, that you and I are not supporters of Donald Trump. Yeah. If he does, if he does good, I'll be fine with it. But if he's going to continue down the path of bad policy, then, yeah. Okay. Well, I am not a supporter of Donald Trump, and you. Now, look. Unless you've been living under a rock, or you haven't been following the news over the past year, uh, you might have noticed. And this more has to do with the National Football League and the National Basketball Association. The NFL are have. NFL players have been kneeling for the anthem. NBA players said they won't go to the White House. And this all started last season when Colin Kaepernick, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback, uh, kneeled for the anthem. And people freaked out. Like, they were just like, well, what is he doing? And he's being a distraction. And they got all up, up in arms when he couldn't find a job a year later. And I'm, I am very much of the mindset of, well, you know what? If Kaepernick was a good quarterback... Teams would take a chance on him. I they mean, take look at, chances on rapists. And yeah, look at the NFL. So and look at the NBA. They're full of domestic abusers, child abusers, murderers. Hell, Michael Vick was involved in a dog fighting ring a decade ago and went to jail for three years for that. Yeah. So you can't tell me that if you can play, teams are willing to overlook all of that, and they're saying he is a good enough player that we are willing to weather the storm from the media. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be asking yourself, Tim, well, what does it have to do with Donald Trump? Well, Donald has been very vocal on Twitter, <laughs> and he's definitely picked his spots about all of this. Mm-hmm. And it came out in the last couple of weeks that despite all of this, the 2017 Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins have accepted the invite from Trump to attend the White House to honor their cup victory, which was supported by Sidney Crosby and head coach Mike Sullivan. Now, look, this isn't really all that shocking considering Mario Lemieux is a registered Republican and he's donated money to the Trump campaign. Well, I mean, he also donated money to Hillary too, so he's kind of sending mixed messages. Well, and he players just wants like, to be on the right side of whoever wins. Yeah, <laughs> and of course players like Mike, Mike Wheeler... And Joel Ward and these guys have come out and saying, well, they're not happy about that. They voice their displeasure regarding Trump while Americans like Austin Matthews says he will not kneel for the anthem. Like, where do you stand on all of this, Tim? Do you think that the Penguins should have, excuse me, that they should have I feel like it doesn't really with... matter if they go or not. The Penguins just invited bad PR by announcing it. Like, the fact of the matter is, hockey people like traditions and tradition will be along, around longer than Donald Trump will. And honestly, going to the going to the White House is a pretty cool... Like, going to see, like, George W. Bush, Obama, or Reagan, or uh, Kennedy, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be a shame that we let a very unpopular president wreck that. Well, and we also can't forget that when the Bruins won the Cup in 2011, Tim Thomas did go to the White House because... He's a Republican, and Barack Obama was president at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really care one way or another when he did then. I guess uh, I felt the Twitter dogpile on the Penguins was a little excessive. Hmm. But then again, Twitter's almost Twitter responses to pretty much everything are always excessive. So yeah, that's the case. I don't know. It's it's a nothing issue. 
Yeah, well, like, but you know, I feel like the press made such like, a big deal out of this, Tim. Like, yeah, I understand that a lot of these hockey it. players are white, they're Canadian, so they're not being racially profiled like, say, somebody in the NFL or the N- or National Basketball Association. So that's why teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, Seattle Seahawks have all stayed in the locker room for the anthem because they're protesting all the... All the bad yeah, stuff that's happened to African Americans. And let's not forget, Tim, what happened to Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett this summer during the Conor McGregor mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather fight, which later it came out he lied about it. The fact that he lied about that was disgusting. Now, I haven't seen the video. I am a Seahawks fan. Have not seen the video, so I can't comment on that. But I guess what I was going to say is in the NHL, though, you've got a lot of Russians, and a lot of them are fresh off the boat Russians. Yep. And given the recent history of the Cold War and the ramping up of uh, Rush of, of believed Russian intelligence operations, you can't tell me that the Russian players aren't getting profiled like hell either. Especially with what's going on with uh, Vladimir Putin as well. Yeah. So I don't really buy the argument that NHL players don't get it because their teammates are probably being just as aggressively profiled. Just because they're white doesn't mean that they aren't a my they aren't a foreigner or aren't welcome all right do you want to switch gears here and talk about some light stuff yeah let's talk about hockey okay so now we're gonna go into our next topic and it's one that i'm honestly not that surprised they did it but i'm happy to talk about it uh tampa bay lightning they have announced they are retiring vincent lecavier's number four on february 10th against the los angeles kings Vince LeCavalier, of course, first overall pick, 1998. Uh, played for three teams. He played for Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. Uh, I think we might have talked about here here on the show. Vince LeCavalier was a great player. I don't know if he's a first-year Hall of Famer. I see him maybe a couple of years afterwards, but mm-hmm. definitely not first-year. Well, he's definitely one of those players where his career kind of went off the rails once he left, left, left Tampa. Yeah, but you can argue it was going off the rails during the final years there, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great player. Uh, I'm glad to see his number retired. Yeah, going up there with Martin St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Both excellent names, and I'm glad that uh, the Florida teams are starting to get some history behind them. Yep. Another team with some history, and... I'm very happy that they're doing this. Nashville Predators announced Roman Yossi named 8th their eighth official captain of the Predators' history, second Swiss NHL captain. I didn't realize that Mark Strait was the first. Mark Strait was captain for the Islanders, correct? I believe so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, good for you, Roman. And I think it's nice to see that uh, all captains, kind of all those leadership people start, like, it's always been a very Canadian-heavy leadership thing. Right. And it's good to see that in-group bias being uh, reduced a bit. Yeah, that's good. Now, I'm going to talk about a story here that kind of really caught my eye over the past couple of weeks. Now, Tim, you were aware who Versace is, correct? Uh, It's a fashion brand, right? Yes. Are you aware that they ripped off the 1994 Vancouver Canucks logo? Like the one that looks like a comet? Yeah, the skate logo. Yeah, no, I was not aware. 
Well, this is really funny because they're ripping this logo off and putting on a sweater that costs $1,260. And I might point out, and I'm going to point out to you, I went on eBay the other day. eBay sells Pavel Burry jerseys for an average of $200. Wow. So think about it, Tim. You can go on to eBay, get yourself maybe, I don't know, five, six Burry jerseys. I personally wouldn't do it myself. I would buy one Burry jersey because I love Pavel, but... Would you get a Linden jersey too? I already have one of those. I had one from oh. back in the year, back in the day. Well, look at you. I know. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and you can save all that money a Canucks fan, and you get a way better color that? palette. Because well, like that Versace color palette is so faded. I know it's 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 weird looking. I don't know what to tell you. At least I didn't go with the flying V. Oh, that was a hell of a jersey. The V was just an ugly looking uniform. Actually, the black one was all right. The, the yellow yeah. was just ugh. it was obnoxious. It was. Speaking of teams that aren't obnoxious, Tim, the Arizona Coyotes and the Florida Panthers made a trade. Oh boy! Arizona acquired Jason Demers from the Florida Panthers for Jamie McGinn. Honestly, I think this is more of a depth move. Uh, Demers, I think he's... He's a he's a bona fide second-line defenseman. I'm talking more about Jamie Begin myself. I know Demers is going to help Arizona, but... I don't get really this trade. Really, McGinn? Like, of all people, Jamie McGinn for Jason Demers. It's a bad trade, Ted. Like, imagine this. There's a guy who is our age, who's out there, just absolutely fleecing guys who have been in the industry for like 20 years. Like, wow. It's hard to believe, man. Like, I mean, hell, if it was so easy, we could have done it. Well, I don't know. Like, uh, Shaka is a very, he's a very smart man. And he's also made some very, very good deals over the summer. mm -hmm. Well, he's super well-educated to boot. But let me ask you, Tim. With Jason Demers going to Arizona, does this automatically make them a playoff team now? With all the moves they made. That Western Conference is going to be tight. It I is. think they're in the race for sure, though. Yeah. yeah so, Tim, I... let's talk about some signings. Now, we're going to start in the Western Conference. The Vancouver Canucks re-signed Bo Horvat to a six-year, $33 million deal with an AAV 5.5. He had 20 goals, 32 assists, and 52, 52 points in 82 games last season. This is an absolute steal for Vancouver. Because Bo Horvat hands down is Vancouver's best player and I think this kid's only going to get better well he's he's definitely first line he is a he's definitely first line material like he was scoring 1.7 goals per hour on the ice sorry 1.7 points per hour of ice time wow that's very good on a bad team too yeah a bad team and when Bo Horvat's on the ice Vancouver is getting much, like the shot quality is much, much better. They're right in tight in the goalie or, or in the slot. Um, this is an absolute steal for Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat. And the kid's 21. He's just going to keep getting better. Yep. Not to be outdone, though, the Boston Bruins, they have re-signed David Pasternak to a six-year, $40 million deal with an AAV 6.67. He scored 34 goals with 36 assists. For 70 points in 75 games last season. Honestly, I am a David Pasternak fan. I really like the kid. I think he's had an absolute great year. But 
I also kind of wonder if maybe this is a one-year deal or if this kid's the real deal. Because you're giving uh, him $6 million for one good season. I don't know, though. Like, his production... Like, at 18 and 19, he still had very, very solid production at even in somewhat sheltered minutes. Like, last season, he was absolutely... Like, lights out, absolutely phenomenal. But even over his three years in the league, he still was... He was still putting up very respectable numbers, and the underlying for Pasternak is there. And like, he's playing with some really yeah, good he's players on the in Boston, ice. too. Shots are... Like they're getting they're getting most of the shots and they're getting great shots. Like these are slot, heavily shots from the slot. Do you think possibly he cracks the forty gold plateau this season? Hard to say. Because if he does, I will be so happy because I drafted him in my fantasy hockey team. <laughs> Instrumental as always. Too. <laughs> yeah, hard to say, but no, Pasternak's a beaut. Yep, I'm a fan. Going back to the Western Conference, Minnesota Wild re-signed Marcus Foligno, four-year, $11.5 million with an AAV 2.9. He scored 13 goals, 10 assists for 23 points in 80 games for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, and I've spoken here on the show, I have a coworker of mine who's a Sabres fan, and he was not happy when I had to tell him Minnesota traded for him. I don't know. I, don't, I wonder if Marcus Foligno will ever actualize in, uh, in Buffalo. Honestly, look, he's a, th- what, he's probably a third, fourth line guy, so 2.9 for a third line guy. It's too much. However, yeah, but I get, look, if he has a great season, that will justify giving him close to three mil. Yeah, but he's never really produced more than a third line guy. Um, he doesn't really move the shots one way or the other, so he's not hurting you. Right. I just don't think, I think he's like 1.5 at most. Okay. He's actually quite good on the defensive side, though. Like, he's taken away... Like, he gets pucks out... Uh, he gets pucks away from, from the goalie, and he clears out the dots, so... And clears out the slot pretty well, so... Those are good qualities, but I don't think that's $2 million a year quality. I think this is a gamble by... This is a gamble by Minnesota that he's more than what he has been. Yeah, but you know what? If Minnesota... If it pays off for Minnesota, yeah, great, good for them. Although... He's turning 26 this year, so not a lot of time. Yeah. I feel weird saying that. Well, here, I'll segue <laughs> out of that so you don't feel less weird. Uh, Colorado Avalanche re-signed Nikita Zadorov, two-year, $4.3 million deal. 2.15 is the AAV. He had 10 assists in 56 games for the Colorado Avalanche. I do not understand this deal, given that he was a minus 20, even if he was on a bad Avalanche team. No, no, you know what? I wouldn't even say it bad. A brutal Avalanche team last season. Well, the weird thing about the Avalanche was they were also brutally unlucky. Yeah, like, look if they, they lost got the draft. league average goaltending, they would have just been average bad, not terra bad. Yeah, but they... You know, Tarabat. Zadorov, he's not he's not an offensive defenseman, and he's not good at defense, so I don't really know what to say about him. The one thing he can say is he's 21. Maybe he'll figure it out. Maybe. But we've been saying that about Cody Cece for years. I don't think this is a good signing. 
Well, Tim, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild re-signing Miku Koivu, two-year, $11 million deal, AAV 5.5. People were very mixed on this deal because he is getting to be a bit older. However, he is a, still a productive player. What are your thoughts on this signing? I've always had a soft spot for Miku Koivu because even if his production's always kind, it's always been a second tier. Yeah. He's always been an excellent defensive specialist. At his age, like the salary, it's definitely based on years past. Right. I still think he's a serviceable, a serviceable third. Like he's probably a perfect checking line center, all things considered. He can still put up points at a third rate line rate. How old is he, by the way? Is he thirty? Thirty-three. Is he thirty-three? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, like, at least they get eight million per. Yeah. Well, the thing though is like. He's not going to get you a lot of shots, but he's great at reducing the amount of shots the opponents take. Uh, very few shots are from when Miku Koivu was on the ice. Those sh- the shots that the opponents are are getting just aren't very good. Like okay. they're fr- they're specifically from the right point. It's the only place he really gives up a lot of shots. Like he's an excellent defensive center. Okay, Tim, I got to ask you. Um, now, of course, you were saying you live in an apartment in Calgary, correct? Yeah. Okay, are there currently any apartments available in your building? Maybe. Well, and I'll bring this up because the Calgary Flames, they have confirmed it today. Yarmer Yager is coming to town. One year, one million dollar deal. Damn. And you know what we say, Tim? I can't believe Ottawa didn't sign him for that. Apparently, Ottawa wasn't on his list. Well, he was spotted in Ottawa, Tim. Damn it. Although, I do like the photo that the... I can't remember if it was the Flames or somebody on Twitter posted of the Flames logo with a mullet. Nice. That's great. I like that, Calgary. So you know what that means, Tim? A million dollars for Yager. the Cowboys, bud. Yeah. Well, I'll be seeing them next week when the Senators are in town. Now I saved one Ottawa Senators story for last, Tim, and the Ottawa Senators have announced Craig Anderson. Two years, $9.5 million AAV, 4.75. I'm so happy he's staying with the Sens. Yeah, like, honestly, I think he's probably the most underrated goaltender in the league. You could make an argument he's a top 10 goalie right now. Probably even make the argument he's top 5. <sighs> Ooh. That's, well, think, that's, that's tough to argue, man. Well, the thing about Craig Anderson is I, his his save percentage go, gets dragged heavily because of the fact that he's either on, really on or really off. And really off will look worse than really on looks good. Like, your save percentage will take a bigger hit from having letting in seven goals in a game than it'll get repaired by having a shutout. Yeah. Just by the nature of the map. But Craig Anderson, like he had five shutouts in a in a season he in a compressed season. That's insane. The fact he only played forty games and he had twenty over twenty wins last season. Yeah. That's still pretty damn good, man. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I think you can make an argument that Anderson is in the upper echelon of goalies. And he, I think he has the fourth save percentage when you adjust for even strength, which is 
very good company to keep. It's pretty good. <clears throat> I have nothing more to say about this, Tim. How about you? Yeah, the, the only Ottawa news I can think of is um, is some uh, entry level contracts, but I think we can leave that to the end of the show. No, we we will leave that for next week, top of the hour. Uh, okay. All right. So now that we've gone through top of the hour, Tim, we got to talk about some games. So for you listening at home, sit back, relax, and don't forget, crack a cold one With unless the you're boys. driving. Don't drink and drive, kids. And believe me, Tim, I have waited eight months to say this. Tim, if you want to see me talk about these games, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Tim, Leafs, Senators, watch it! Wow! Oh, boy. Let me tell you, Tim, I don't care if it was preseason or not, buddy. How about that first game? Oh, it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Leafs, Senators at the Canadian Tire Center. The Senators with an ass-whomping 6-2. Boy, this team came out flying. And they looking like they were in mid-season form, scoring four goals in the first period. By Tyler Randall, two by Mike Hoffman, and Mark Stone. That Hoffman, that first Hoffman goal was a beaut. Holy. Was that the one where he had the stick and he threw it up the air and he caught it? Yup. That's, that's nuts. It was nuts. You know, what was also nuts was Ottawa looked really out of sorts for most of the second period. And I feel that Toronto really jumped on Ottawa's mistakes that they were making. Yeah, and it's kind of harkening back to last season when it always seemed like Ottawa took the second period off. And that's a habit I hope I was really hoping they wouldn't slide back into. Yeah, but you know what, man? Ottawa, excuse me, Ottawa, though, man, like in this game, and here are the goals that they scored. Like I said, Tyler Randall made it one nothing. Hoffman scored two. 2-0 and 3-0 sends. Some guy in Toronto that nobody cares about made it 3-1. Mark Stone answered to make it 4-1. Gabrielle Gagné got one over the line to make it 5-1. And your buddy Cody Cece skates in, makes it 6-1. The crowd goes nuts until William Nylander made it 6-2. But that doesn't matter because we won. Mm. And speaking about Cece, in the first two games he was the first two games he played. Cody Ceci was looking a lot better. That's what I noticed, too. And I know last season the fans just gave it to him for his inept play. And inept is the best way to describe it. Like, it was often slow. He looked like he was carrying a grenade. Like, one thing I noticed in that game was, I don't think I've ever seen Cody Ceci skate head up, eyes around, chest forward, just striding. He looked like a, a new man with all the confidence in the world. Yeah, and I remember watching that thinking, where was this guy last season? Hiding in the shadow of Carlson. Well, it is a hard shadow to get out of, buddy. Yeah. I miss you, Mark. Oh. Now, look, Tim, with all of the praise we're giving to Ottawa, we got to look at the Leafs. Now, we're not going to lie. Outside of... Nylander and that Austin fellow that nobody cares about. The Leafs look terrible, including Curtis McElhaney. Oh my god, how brutal he looked in that game. Well, the thing about Mac, 
you have to remember from the period that McElhaney was a senator. Do you remember that he always looks like that? Yeah, but remember when he first came to Toronto? He just around the net, and half the time it works, half the time it just really doesn't. Yeah, but he looked good against the Sens in that first game he played against us. Yeah. It was one of those games where his flailing looked like artistic saves and not flailing. Yep. You know what was also brutal, Tim? Those fucking face-off violations. Oh, Jesus Christ, guys. But, like, I... There's, I feel like there's got to be a better way of dealing with it. Like, I understand that they want to clean up face-offs, but, like, I think a penalty is a little... Like, a penalty after two is a bit excessive. That's stupid. That's like, remember a couple of years back when the ref sort of faked it, like he was going to drop the puck, and he blew the whistle and the fans started booing him? Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. I do like the, I do like that they're cutting down on... They're really clamping down on slashing. Yeah, I, I like it because, look, I mean, players will break their hands and break their fingers. I mean, Bobby Ryan, for example, last season, how many fingers he broke? Cody Cece broke a couple of his Mark fingers. Mark thought. <sighs> no, no, no. It was something that was going on for way too long. And uh, one thing I did notice, it was uh, it wasn't so much the younger players who had a, a harder time dealing with it. It's the older guys who are used to the lax, the lax rules that were kind of getting screwed. Yes, they were. Yeah. So, Tim, we've talked about all of these things, but the one player we haven't talked about, and we have been pumping this guy's tires for years, and that is Thomas Shabbat, who really, he looked okay. I mean, he got better as the games went on, but quite frankly, Thomas Shabbat, he just looked intimidated out there. I found that... He definitely came alive as the game went on. He did. By the end of the game, he looked like a bona fide number, like, second-line guy. Like, on that fifth goal with Colin White, holy shit. Oh, my God, it was amazing. But like, we also he, can't forget, sorry, like, we can't also forget about Christian Jarls. He looked great, too. Yeah. So I think uh, on defense, the Sens actually have are pretty healthy when it comes to prospects. Yeah, not so much on forwards, though, as Colin White got hurt blocking a shot. Uh, Pierre Dorian later came out and said he will miss six to eight weeks with a broken wrist. Yeah, that was the wrong time to block a shot. Two minutes left in a 6-2 game. You let the guy who's bulletproof hit it. Yeah, but you know what, though? I can't blame the guy, man. He's trying to make the team. Mm-hmm. But, like, he had played a hell of a game up to that point, so I don't feel like he needed to do that. But, again, I've never been in that situation. True. Uh, one thing I noticed, uh, that defense core looked pretty close to what Ottawa would ice, sorry, will be icing. And uh, Captain Fanuk, how do you, do you think he will be able to handle it in a smaller market for a temporary amount of time? Well, we'll just have to wait and see, bud. Yeah, and I guess my last two notes are no sign of Chris Vandeveld. Nice. Yep. And Ottawa power play. Still bad. Well, some things never changed. Yeah. But you know what also didn't change, Tim? The Toronto Maple Leafs, they decided, they would go, hey guys, we'll go double or nothing on the back-to-back game. And they did when Ottawa beat them again 5-2, to two, this time at the Air Canada Centre. And the Sens sent a B team 
They did. And because the Sens sent their B team, the Leafs totally outplayed us. They outshot us 40-26. to 26. However, all the bounces went for the Sens. Mm-hmm. And we also can't forget, my future brother-in-law, Logan Brown, scored to make it one nothing for the Sens. Patrick Marlowe scored to make it 1-1. JVR scored to make it 2-1. Leafs after one. Now... I believe when I talked to you about this, I actually didn't watch the first period because my game center, I tried to skip through all the pregame stuff to go to the first period. It, I don't know what happened. It went right to the end of the first period. It probably forced you to live, and I hate when it does that. Yeah, Honestly, and, I, and I complained to Rogers on Twitter about that, and it didn't happen on the next game we're going to talk about, so I didn't respond to their tweet. Can we, can we just sit for a minute and just kind of talk about just how low quality of a product NHL game center, like center ice actually it's a is. Very, yeah. It's a very difficult, it's very difficult to navigate, especially online. Cause say if you want to watch a game, you got to sign in to Rogers and it's just a pain in the ass that like, I found on my phone. No problem. Like I just go into the NHL app, press the game. I watch done. If I want to, like, walk, hook my computer up to my TV so I can watch it in four, the game in 4K, holy shit, I have to jump through all those hoops. And then it's not, they didn't even get the aspect right. Yeah. So they put, for some reason, there's a stupid offset, so a third of my screen is cut off. But like, you know what? what that? But you know what, Tim, I talked to you about that when it happened to me, and I mentioned... Um, if you watch it on, on your PS4, your game console, and you said, no, I watch it on my computer or my phone, and I says, well, I did it on my game console, and you told me you don't even watch games on your game consoles. Yeah. Is well, it just because you have like a high-powered computer? Uh, yeah, Chelsea and I both have uh, uh, very strong graphics cards in the desktops. Okay. Going back to this game, though, Tim... Ottawa looked very flat-footed in this game until Mike, the Mike Blunden fight, which I felt sparked the team. Yeah, and Mike Blunden does have some history as he was part of the Marley system. Right. So I can see that being a natural fight. Logan Brown, though, man, like, what a game he had. He was, I thought he was solid from what I saw. Yeah, I'm very happy with Logan Brown. And also, what are your thoughts on Marcus Hagerberg? Because I thought he was a he played really well for Ottawa as well. I didn't really catch much of that game, to be honest. Okay. Now, despite the fact that Ottawa won five to two, a couple of players were put on the waivers. Uh, ben Sexton was one. Eric Bergdorfer. That's a he played well for both those games. I thought, so yeah, I thought he played we'll decent. Uh, Danny Taylor. I thought he played decent. Yep. And. Evil incarnated, Patrick Seeloff. I have no fucking clue what, why he's still around. Nope. I know he scored an empty netter, and I'm like, I if I was the Sens, I'd be like, you scored an empty netter. That's it. We're putting you on waivers. Well, I mean, I think I've seen him hit more senders than I have other teams. Yeah, and and you know what, Tim? When we were talking about Joffrey Lupul, the one thing we forgot to mention was Clark MacArthur, who f- also failed his medical. Yeah, and I think... Thanks I a lot, Pat. You blew it. Ugh. Ugh. Next game? Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, we're going to turn our attention away from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Montreal Canadiens. 
And this game took place at the Canadian Tire Center, 5-1 to one victory for the Senators. It was a solid, but you know what, not the most exciting game I've ever seen. It was a physical game by both teams, including a fight and numerous penalties for both teams. Mm-hmm. However, Ottawa seemed to have the upper hand of this game. Yeah, and it didn't seem... Yeah, from what I remember, it was uh, Montreal... I wouldn't call it their B... I don't think I called their A team or their B team. No, because they don't have their Mr. Four... T. Pardon? You can't call it their A team because they don't have Mr. T. Yeah. But I think the big thing about that team was you kind of realized that just how thin the Canadians are on both forward and defense. Because they looked lost without both Druan and Weber. Mm-hmm. Like but, I'll it, tell you, but I'll tell you one guy who didn't look lost out there, Logan Brown with two goals. Yeah, those... This kid is going to be something else. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he's still be given at least a few games until uh, Broussard comes back. Actually, I read today that Broussard is cleared to be playing in the season opener. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very, very happy about that. I I really hope Logan Brown also makes the team because I felt he's deserved it. And I hope he gets to play some top six ice time. Me too. Yeah, because sometimes, like, I like Zach Smith, but I think uh, Logan Brown might be better suited for that sort of role. Yeah, because Logan is a centerman where you can move Zach like they've already done to the wing. Mm-hmm. But Tim, despite the fact that we've been talking about Logan Brown... What are your thoughts on Thomas Shabbat in this game? Because I honestly thought he looked way better in this game at both ends of the ice. Oh, 100%. Like, he was... You could have fooled me into thinking he was Ottawa's top defenseman at that point. Like, yep. he was smooth. Oh, he was excellent. I thought he and played he, a great game. Yeah, and he was making the right plays. What are your thoughts time. on Craig Anderson in this game? I thought he looked sharp. I didn't notice him, so... That's the best praise you can give a goaltender. Yeah. I can't say this about Although Ottawa. he wasn't Ottawa, busy he that night. Shaky. Like, he, the biggest thing was he didn't have a lot of work to do because Montreal just couldn't muster any shots at him. Right. So, yeah, it was hard to say. All right. I thought he, I thought he looked sharp for, for what was, uh, what, what work was given to him. Uh, Al Montoya, like I said, I thought he looked shaky in that game. Yeah. But you know what? Montreal's got carry and the Hab fans are all happy and stuff. Yeah, and I think Al Montoya, even if he's good for winning you half the games he plays, that's good enough for a backup. Yep. It's no Mike Condon. He's no, he's no Mike Condon, but which they could, could be worse. Kept. Could be worse. He could have been. Um, I don't know. Uh, who's a bad goalie in the past that people hated? Alex Ald. Yeah, they didn't like him. Who else was just? Root. Dan Klutz in the later years was oh, pretty bad. Oh, Klutz, yeah. The Canuck fans hated him. I would know I was a Canuck fan during that time. Yeah. Corey Hirsch? I feel bad about Hershey, though. Yeah, me too. Like, especially after reading his Players' Tribune bit. Did you read the one on Brent Sopel as well? How do the Canucks keep getting these sort of players? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into it because we could get into a place that's probably both psychologically invalid and probably a little insensitive. Yeah, so we're going to move on to our next game. Mm -hmm. Now, Tim, the Ottawa Senators, they were on the road to Prince Edward Island to the town of Summerside. Now, Tim, you're from the East Coast. Have you ever been to Summerside, PEA? 
I remember driving through it because uh, my family, we'd stayed near Cavendish, which is on the north part of PEI. Uh, pro tip, PEI isn't very wide. Uh, and we drove through Summersville. I forget why we drove through Summersville, but uh, it was a beautiful small town. Okay. And PEI, I would like to point out, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the same size as Vancouver Island. I would, wouldn't be surprised if PEI is smaller, to be honest. Hmm. PEI is tiny. You can drive across it in about two hours. Okay. Well, despite all the nice things you're saying about SummerSlam PEI, I can't say about this game. It was an 8-2 loss to the Devils. Ottawa had a terrible game. All the bounces went to New Jersey. But it was funny that I mentioned Canadian Tire because about a month ago, I had to go to Canadian Tire to get a key, spare key made. <laughs> because, you know, it, it happens to the best of us. I locked my keys in my car. It happens. Hey. It happens, Tim. You blow it. So I went to Canadian Tire the next day after this happened. I paid three bucks for a key. The guy made the key. He was kind of a jerk. And I was telling you about this, and you said you had an experience at a Canadian Tire in when you were living out in Toronto. Yeah, so basically what happened is I needed to get a key cut for Chelsea when we were living in uh, uh, the basement suite I was living in when I went to university out in Toronto. So we went out to the... So we started out going to the Walmart at, uh, I think it's St. Clair and Runnymede, if anyone's familiar with Toronto. So it's uh, just where that streetcar line ends, and we got a key cut there. Okay. As I should have expected, it didn't fucking work. So, next time, we go to Canadian Tire. The guy running it, yeah, he's kind of a dick. He was like, oh, what do you want? Okay, fine, I'll cut it. You know, just super surly about it. Hands it to us. It's still got some shavings on it. And he hands his price to him, like, oh, this isn't cut right. He's like, oh, I don't care. And I'm like, fuck, whatever. So I went, so I went to customer service and told him to take their key back. And then we went to Home Depot, and uh, we're telling the guy who was kind of a key at Home Depot, he's just like, oh, that's why you come to Home Depot the first time around. And he gave us the key and told us it was on the house. I was unaware that Home Depot made keys. Yeah, Home Depot, the big thing is they hire a lot of ex-contractors who are just looking for something to do right. when, they're old, when they're old and retired. So you get you tend to get people who know more about what they're doing at Home Depot. Right. And maybe they don't do keys at every Home Depot. Yeah, because the one near my place doesn't make keys, I don't think. The one in Duncan might be smaller, though. Yeah. You know what's funny, Tim? With all the little trickets like Canadian Tire sells, do you ever wonder why they don't make an air freshener that smells like a Canadian Tire? Canadian Tire has a very distinctive smell it like Home Depot. It does, and I don't think I want my house smelling like Costco that. Costco even honest. has like, a distinct smell. Yeah, it's like... Do you really want your house smelling like mid-grade sporting goods mixed with kerosene? Oh, no. I mean, I don't really go to Canadian Tower all that often. But, yeah. I have yeah, to my keys in my car. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, it has that weird smell to it. It's it's not quite tires. But, like, you know what it is as soon you know you've wandered you, you into the, the wrong smell, store. You can't as as you describe it. Pardon? You know the smell, but you can't describe it. Yeah. And you know you've walked into the wrong store. Well, that's about as much as I could say. Would you like to talk about the next game? Uh, next one was against the Winnipeg Jets, right? Tim? Yeah? Don't you mean the... J-E-T-S! Jets! 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 The Winnipeg yeah. Jets! 
This game would take place at the Bell MTS Center. When did they start calling it the Bell MTS Center? I thought it was just the MTS Center, honestly. Yeah, me too. Uh, both the Jets and Sens, by the way, it was a 5-3 victory for the Winnipeg Jets. Jets and Sens both played a tight-checking, fast-paced game for the first period. And I felt Ottawa really got winded after that. And they just couldn't match it in the second and third period. And that's when Winnipeg jumped on us and started out playing us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a worrying sign, honestly. Like, I'm, it's something I've noticed for a while. It's that Ottawa teams can't seem to play a complete game. Like, when I mentioned the second period off, taking the second period off last for the first game, I, I'm concerned that there might be conditioning problems. Yeah, and you know what? That's what they spend the whole summer doing, right? Yeah. But you know Although, what you didn't mention, Tim? Bobby yeah. Ryan scored the first Sens goal on the first Sens shot. Nice. Didn't even look like... I mean, I don't want to say he didn't even look like he tried. He looked like he tried to pass it. Which yeah, is what he's become like more of a setup guy. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's something I've been noticing about the Sens. Although, funny tangent... Uh, I'm not sure if it was Boss Mullet, but uh, people have been creating a best shape of their careers list on Twitter. Have you seen this? I don't think I have. So basically what happened is they they go through every media report to see who's set to find a quote that says X player is in the best shape they've ever been in their career. Okay. And just collate it and see how those players perform. And see how random it is over seasons to see if that comment has any meaning whatsoever. Right. Uh, I believe the Senators only have one mem- one player on that list. It was Bobby Ryan. That's one thing that I've noticed in these preseason games I saw him. I thought he looked way better than last year. Mm-hmm. One thing I do and- want to mention, though, Tim, is that the refs really did a great job with this game. And they let the guys play. They let them be physical and play great. Another person i got to give a shout-out to, now I don't know who this individual is, the Winnipeg, De- Winnipeg Jets DJ. Man, did that person do a great job with the music. They oh. played the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme. They were playing Japan droids. It was amazing. Fuck, I'm jealous. The Calgary guy sucks. He plays Garth Brooks. Well, Calgary is a cowboy town, Tim. I know. But still, like Garth, like Garth Brooks at a hockey game, it well, doesn't. Hey, it. why not? Eh? They made it a sing along. Hey, maybe the Sens house band will do the same. Hope not. Yeah. So let's I talk guess, about Alex Fontaine wait, wait, wait. because throughout this preseason, he looked really good. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of the unsung hero because he's sort of a guy. He came out of. Really, he kind of came out of nowhere to become a really shining spot for the Sens. Mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about, too. Yep. But another guy that I got to mention is Ryan Dezingle, who he looked in midseason form, and by that I mean he skated very fast and could didn't score. That's all right, hey, I guess. We have to, like, I know Dezingle's probably taken a few too many pointers from Eric Condra. But he did score the goal that put us to Game 7 overtime. He did. Got to give him that. Yep. Mike Condon, though, man. Like, Mike Condon played a good game. Now, despite the fact that 
Winnipeg scored four goals on him. Three out of the four shots, he didn't even see. Like, full screen, or? Yeah. Yeah, there were guys in front of him. Like, it's sort of like, you know, that game that they played against Pittsburgh that we will not talk about. Yep. He didn't see it. It never happened. No. Don't know what you guys are talking about. But Connor Hollebuck, though, man, he looked solid against the Sens. Yeah, and I think that the Jets, a lot of people are hyping the Jets just because the Jets were a good team last year with terra bad goaltending. Yeah. And the fact that they brought in averages average gets Steve Mason. Which is funny because when we did a practice episode, you were really pumping this guy's tires a bit, going, Man, he's such a good he was such a good goalie in Philly and you now he's coming to Winnipeg and he'll do so good there. Has your well, thoughts changed on him? Well, I don't know. It's I think being average being good and being average like I yeah, I might have soured on like might have moderated a bit. I still think Steve Mason's a good goalie. Okay. And being league average is still a .92 save percentage, which is, by all means, good. Right. It And it's way better than what Winnipeg had before. Like, last year, Winnipeg had a had an abysmal .90 save percentage. Like, it, it just wasn't... Goalies there weren't, weren't working out for them. So, if they get average... If they get league average in uh, Mason Hellebuck... Right. Winnipeg's going to make noise. Yeah, they're they're my dark horse at the moment to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now we gotta now we gotta finish this off. Talk about Logan Brown got getting robbed of the tying goal in the final seconds with a Hellebuck toe save. Yeah. Sad. It happens though. Holy. It does. I felt so bad because I was like, oh man, we're gonna score. No, it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. Huh. <sighs> Well, I guess this is the tone I gotta talk about going to this game now. It happened. Sens and Habs, we lost nine to two to Montreal. Ugh. At the Bell Center. Tim, do you recall the Simpsons episode with Bart on Ice when Bart and Lisa both joined the hockey team? And they taped Millhouse to the net. Yes. That's it, Millhouse. Keep your keep up the chatter. <laughs> Or defense, defense, come on, you call that blowing. <laughs> but do you recall, it was, I recall it was in the second act when Bart won the games, so Homer's like, well, son, you won. And to keep my end of the bargain, here's your turtle alive and well. <laughs> well, it's safe to say Ottawa didn't get their turtle because they lost. Every player, like, they played well for the opening five minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, we can. I will talk about what I what was good about the game. And believe me, it's not a ton. Uh, played a decent ten minutes. Eh, I guess. Well, I mean, look, everybody but Mike Hoffman and even Anderson, they didn't look terrible. Everybody else was brutal, but yeah. not them. Like, I think this was Shabbat's worst game of the preseason. Yeah, and you made an interesting point. Do you feel that his performance was the reason why he's getting sent down to Belleville? Yeah, like, you definitely saw that he was green. Yeah. Like, he was jumping up. At, like, the jump-ups weren't working as they were behind. Like, it could have just been one bad game. 
but like he was jumping in at the wrong time. He was getting beat. Like there was times where even like CC and Finif both had to bail him out. Yeah, because I thought Thomas Shabbat played well enough to make the team out of camp. Yeah. However, like that last game, it's it was bad enough that it would it was hard to ignore. Yep. So I'll just close it out by saying Sens absolutely stunk the place out. Penalties were a killer for Ottawa. And Montreal scored numerous goals on the power play. Period. Yeah. Like, it really... There wasn't a lot good to say about that game. No. I I couldn't. After it became you, you five just couldn't. or five one, I just turned off the TV. Well, but, that's surprisingly, that's the end of all the games. Yeah. So, Tim, do you I, want to take a quick break and take a quick, quick breather? Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys, we will take a quick break here on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. We will return with one more segment, and then we will go into a close. Coming right back. All right, guys, welcome back to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Now, Tim, we're going to close the episode with a segment that I feel we really need to talk about, and that is predictions. Now, to keep it simple, we're only going to talk about the Canadian teams, and we have discussed quick, simple answers, and we'll go into our close, okay? Yep. Okay. And we'll start with, in the Western Conference, Vancouver. Dead last. Calgary. Uh, definitely playoffs. Edmonton. Playoffs, maybe contender. Winnipeg? Playoffs. Toronto. Probably playoffs. Montreal. Playoff. Likely oh. playoffs, but could reason could realistically miss. Okay. Ottawa. Depends on Carlson. All right. All right. Here now you got Tim's predictions. Here are mine. Uh, Vancouver. I see a lottery team. I like the moves they've made. Not. They haven't made enough to make the playoffs. But I see them as a lottery Calgary. team, and I hope for better for next year. Calgary. Oh. They've got the best decor west of Nashville. Goaltending still a bit iffy with Mike Smith, but if he plays well and the Flames stay healthy and consistent, they'll make the playoffs. Yep. Edmonton, I see them winning their division. Uh, it's tough. I don't know how far they're going to go into the playoffs. I do see them as a repeat playoff team, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Winnipeg are my black sheep. Or sorry, Winnipeg is the black horse. Or Dark Horse, I should to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Steve Mason comes in. He's definitely an upgrade from Andre Pavlik. If Patrick Line can stay healthy and the team can get on a roll, I see them making the playoffs. Yeah. All right, Toronto. Toronto's, Toronto's hard to say because Toronto didn't have any injuries last season. So if they can stay healthy and they play consistent hockey, I see them as a playoff team. Montreal. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Montreal will miss the playoffs. They have done everything but just sell off their top guys. And I just feel that the moves they've made have been questionable at best. Even bad. The only good one is bringing in Drouin. Yeah, but even that, right? I mean, he has, what, one decent season. Yeah. So hopefully a change of scenery will help him. And we end with Ottawa. Ottawa, I think they've kind of taken a step back by letting Mark Mathot go to 
expansion, which it sucks. But the fact that they didn't do anything to replace him and... Johnny you know, Oduya doesn't count. No, it doesn't. But, and we were talking about Thomas Shabbat. As soon as I saw Shabbat, and now I have been a vocal critic of Shabbat. Not for bad reasons, but a reason of development. Of saying, I feel he should play in Belleville for a year and then come up. But his play in the preseason, I felt, wow, like this kid is ready. So I was mm-hmm. a little bit surprised he didn't make the club. Um, yeah, Ottawa, they're going to be tough at the beginning of the year because Eric Carlson is still injured. However, Derek Broussard is coming back. I Logan Brown looks pretty good. I think he's going to be ready to go. And Craig Anderson is healthy. So if all goes well, playoff Ottawa. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, Tim, that wraps up the first episode of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Anything you want to close with? Um, honestly, I think my favorite Twitters right now are probably the Ottawa Senators and the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, I love the Vegas Golden Knights. They're amazing. Like, they just tweeted that they have a player signed to announce, and for the first time in a while, fans won't guess it's Yager. God damn it, you savages. Oh, I know. Especially their little Twitter fight with Montreal. Yeah. They're going to be good. Oh, they're they're already fun. Yeah. Speaking of Twitter, Tim, we are on Twitter. We are at Third Line Plug Sensecast. That's the show's Twitter. Tim is M901 Honey Badger. I am Great White Gipster. G-R-8-W-Y-T-E Gipster. Although I did think about changing my Twitter. Now let me get your opinion on this. Ready? Yeah. L.L. Coolte. Well, that works. It does. It's created, but it works. Yeah. So if but, it changes, I will mention it here in the close. Yeah. I also have to point out we are on iTunes. You can look us up, Third Line Plug Sensecast. Unfortunately, it is the O logo. We don't have our logo up there. I'll try and figure out how to change that. We are also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And... The week ahead, tomorrow night, October 5th, the season-slash-home opener against the Washington Capitals, and we play October 7th against the Detroit Red Wings at home. That The first game is going to be a toughie, but the Battle of, Capitals, of the Capitals is always a fun one. Yep. Detroit is not a good team. No, they're not. But we'll save that for next week. Yeah, so hopefully Ottawa actually comes out and plays. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And I'm Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!